Cafe Anyway. It's Mike Matthews. Mike's Daily Podcast. Look at this. It's a daily podcast, so we call it Mike's Daily Podcast. It's episode 2,578. It's raining today, but it's not too bad, so I don't hate it. In fact, I am rather in a good mood. I watched Kath and Kim's 20-year anniversary on the YouTube. Oh, no, wait, it was on Netflix. That's right. So, Mike's Daily Podcast. I was very much enthused to see those two ladies doing their characters. Mike's so funny. Daily Kath and Kim Podcast. Oh, I forgot about Sharon. Yeah. And uh, Cal. And then just that whole wonderful Australian accent thing. It's great. I was watching it, I guess about two years ago is when I first discovered it. I didn't realize, I remembered that that, uh, Molly Shannon Selma Blair show called Kath and Kim. I didn't know that was a vain, horrible, shoddy attempt at America trying to do what Australia was doing so well. I'm like, why? Why? Why do we do that? And that's the other thing. Why are we copying old shows and just so we're taking old shows and turning it on their on its head. Like okay, Battlestar Galactica, that worked great. You took the old one with Face and Lauren Green and the Cylons, and then you flipped it around and you made it more of this introspective psychological thriller thing with the Mary O'Connell, is it McDonald? I forget. And uh, oh, uh, Edward Edward James almost. And all the others. So that was interesting. A couple other times it's done good when they've rebooted TV shows. But now, what is going on? Let's see. Equalizer with Queen Latifah. I have not seen that yet. And then there's the... And here's today's podcast picture. Quantum Leap. I haven't seen that. Although I should watch that because I'm all into time travel. Which is why I like Doctor Who. Which I guess they rebooted Doctor Who. That, But that was a while ago. The podcast picture today is of a beautiful little shot I took last evening. As I was going for a walk in the town of Pleasanton. And they've got a lot of water running down the hills. All the late great bows of the boxer. He used to bark at water. Like this. That's good. It's good to bark at water. And sometimes he'd go into it, but not too far, because he was a boxer. He didn't like his jowls getting wet, even though they always were wet with slobber. The point is that I did never finished my point yesterday, <laughs> or on the last podcast. I was talking about how weird it was, how I was having sort of a personal crisis, and it all had to do with the Bay Area traffic. The Bay Area traffic was on its head yesterday, was turned upside down, was bizarre. There was traffic in places, made no sense to have traffic on a Saturday. It is, what was happening? I don't know. Cafe, I don't know. Cafe anyway. Does anybody here at Cafe anyway know what happened yesterday? Why was it so flipped up upside its head? I mean, it was a beautiful day. We had about three beautiful sunny days. In the Bay Area And suddenly I guess on the third Sunny-ish day People started driving weird Maybe they they knew The rain was coming 
last night. Which, yeah, there was an atmospheric river, and you know what? Nothing. The little drizzle here and there, it was not bad. I'm looking out the window of Cafe anyway, and I see the dark clouds. And I know we're going to get some more rain on Tuesday and maybe later in the week. But atmospheric river number 13 was not bad at all. Was I, I would have preferred if all the atmospheric rivers were like that, but... Yeah, why? And I know the traffic in the Bay Area always stinks, and people drive weird. They do this thing in the Bay Area. I don't know. Perhaps they do this where you live. But, okay, so you're wanting to make a right turn. And you're in the right lane. But the person in front of you wants to go straight through the intersection. And they've got all this room between them and the curb. That they could have, if they would have... Gone a little bit closer to the painted line On their left hand side You could have squeezed through Because there's all this room between There should be all this room between the car And the curb But instead the car just sits right there in the middle And blocks what's obviously An ultra right 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 side lane The ultra right So it's the QAnon lane (laughs) And it will They're blocking the QAnon lane Why? And, oh, there are many people apparently who did not get my hee-haw joke yesterday. Okay, go back and listen to it if you didn't hear it, but it was an attempt, let's just say. An attempt. At any rate, what happened was all the traffic. Oh, and uh, all the other, oh, the rain. And, okay, did we cover all that? Fine. That sounds good. Let's go now to this next thing. Because <laughs> I'm tricky. I keep a traffic track of everything. The traffic, the, the people, the vain attempts at trying to make a right-hand turn. Oh, the other thing people do here in the Bay Area, you know, there's a red stoplight. So people stop. Well, actually, that's the first thing. People don't stop at stoplights. They just keep, they fly right through stoplights. And early on when I moved to the Bay Area about 13 years ago, I stopped at a stop sign for like, uh, dot, dot, that much. And then I kept going. But I had stopped. And I got pulled over and ticketed because that was considered too, too quick a stop. And so the policeman caught me. I think it was CHP. I don't know. But it was somebody in a suit, that uh, a police uniform, some kind of authoritative outfit, pulled me over. And I know with the bald head, I stick out like a sore thumb because I look like a thumb. And maybe that's why he picked on me. But he said, oh, there's too many people flying through the stop sign. So I found you doing that and you got the ticket. And now you're going to have to do uh, six or seven weeks worth of traffic school online. But now Ever since then I've been seeing people All the time Fly through stop signs Fly through stop lights It's not right There's all kinds of strange Wild wild west craziness Going on the roads In the Bay Area And the other thing is When you stop at a stoplight In the Bay Area There'll be somebody Near you In front of you Behind you That will stop Like four car lengths Behind you or in front of you They're just They 
As we go outside a cafe anyway, where we bring you Mike's Daily Podcast, somewhere in Podcaster Valley 10, the last place on earth. A Bay Area person explained to me, who's now moved to Florida, by the way, this particular person, explained to me it was because space is your friend. So that's why people just let all this space happen in between them and the stop sign or wherever. So weird stuff like that. And everywhere you go, people are driving too slow or too fast and yeah, all that. What is your thing that you dislike the most about the Bay Area driving and whatnot? You can call me at 510-228-4640. Nobody called that number for the Mike Matthews New Tunes feud last show. So yeah, why why did I even do it? I don't know, but there were some interesting songs. I think I liked the last one the most. I forget what it was. Sweet Flower, Small Flower, something like that. That was pretty good. The point is, Ukraine just got a new type of weapon that could change everything. This according to the Daily Digest through MSN.com. The United States has finally supplied the Ukrainian Air Force with a new type of guided air-to-surface bomb that will change how Ukraine attacks invading Russian foes. Speaking at the African Air Chief Symposium at the end of last month, U.S. Air Force General James Heckler said that Ukrainian forces had been supplied with a new type of precision munition that would give them some extended range and capabilities. He said, recently, we've just gotten some precision munitions to Ukraine that had some extended range and go a little bit further than the gravity drop bomb and has precision guidance. That's a recent capability that we were able to give them probably in the last three weeks. So that's going on with the war. In another interesting war, and by the way, this war, that is a real war right there. But there's this fictitious war going on between people on the left and people on the right. And I'm glad to start hearing this dialogue going on. And I've been talking about it forever. And I've been hearing people say it here and there, like Reba saying, we should do more listening than talking. God gave us two ears before he gave us the one mouth. So we should be listening before we talk and hear what the other side has to say. But somebody put it all very interesting. They said there is no such thing as the other side when talking about people on the left and people on the right. In the end, both people on both sides want to get to the same place, want a better place for them, their family, the person across the street, next door neighbor, we're, we have a common goal. We just don't always see it because we get so caught up in emotion. Like, oh, you're a pro-Trump person. I hate you. Or you're an anti-Trump person. I hate you. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And stories like this don't help. The Manhattan District Attorney widely expected to bring an indictment against Donald Trump this week. Remember... Trump said on his social media that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday and he has vowed that his staff will not be intimidated after the U.S. president called the former U.S. president called for his supporters to protest any action against him. 
Trump triggered a flurry of frantic headlines and statements from his political allies yesterday when he posted a message on social media claiming he was set to be arrested this Tuesday on charges of hush payments to Stormy Daniels, the adult actor. An indictment from the office of Alvin Bragg is widely expected this week, but officials and Trump's lawyers have clarified they have no certainty as to the timing or what actually will happen in court. But Bragg sent an email to this office obtained by Politico that did not mention Trump by name, but that did appear to address the case, including widespread security fears around lower Manhattan courts in the wake of an indictment. As with all our investigations, we will continue to apply the law evenly and fairly and speak publicly only when appropriate, he said. That according to Edward Helmore from The Guardian via MSN.com. And then I heard that uh, the, the arrest will not happen on Tuesday. But meanwhile, conservatives are scoffing at Trump. Why? Find out after this message on Mike's Daily Podcast. Do you enjoy eating food? Then you should eat something. That was our message today on Mike's Daily Podcast, where Mike made no money over that copy read that he just did. Don't you hate that on podcasts? Hey, we'll get more. We'll get back to our interview and hear more from... Larry uh, uh, Larry somebody Larry Craig Larry Elder Larry uh, Smothers Larry A guy named Larry After this And then they go into their little ad That's annoying Also me talking about it Is probably also annoying But So here is what it is that conservatives are scoffing at Trump for and what they're calling his leftist plan. He wants to build 10 new American cities featuring flying cars. On federal land, he wants to build them. It's called Freedom Cities. It's received a muted response. Some right-wing critics have attacked it as a leftist plan to create walkable 15-minute cities. Earlier this month, he unveiled a dramatic, far-reaching proposal to build up to 10 new American cities if he's elected to a second term. The federal, federally chartered purported utopias, dubbed Freedom Cities, would feature vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, manufacturing hubs, baby bonuses, and plentiful single-family housing. Delivering a quantum leap for America's standard of living. Let's move there, you and I. Let's go. Sounds like fun. Let's see. There's baby making. They're manufacturing stuff. So hopefully it's cool stuff they're manufacturing. The flying vehicles. Dennis Hopper. He, he complained. Well, the late Dennis Hopper complained on television in one of the last commercials he did about how there was no flying cars yet. Uh, let's see That's all very enticing You know Somebody else did that Or had an idea similar to that Which is kind of socialist Kind of communist But 
he had some ideas about people all, you know, hey, it's a place, a workplace that everybody will live there. It will be a little city. We'll be uh, cut off from the rest of society and we'll create a new society of our own. And his name was Walt Disney. When you go to Epcot, realize that that is exactly what was originally the plan. Experimental prototype community of tomorrow. I did a report on it back when it was just before it opened. I did a report on it back in the early 80s. But yeah, I mean, okay, maybe it wasn't exactly communist. I mean, people were supposed to work and have jobs and then they live in Walt Disney's city. And he had it all written out and it was a big map and he did a TV special about it and he showed it and he did one of those little pointer things where you point with the, the, the sticks and he was pointing with the pointer stick up at the thing going, and this is going to be this and this, and people will live under, there'll be a monorail and they'll live underground and they'll eat soylent grain. Oh, I don't know if he said that part, but the grand futuristic proposal was mostly met with crickets. Not Disney's thing. Well, maybe Disney's thing, but Trump's thing. And some light mockery from Trump supporters. Yes, actually from Trump supporters and others on the right. And I think we've gotten to a place now where Trump supporters, they're like, you know what? I might lose my job, but I don't care anymore. I'm just going to make fun of him. He understands. <laughs> we'll all get along. Fair and unbalanced. I mean, I've heard staunch Trump supporters say, oh, that's not a good idea. That whole non-fungible token idea with him, that's that derailed thing is what that was. So the conservative New York Times columnist Ross Dothit wrote, Trump's policy would yield a Trump casino and some mixed-use buildings run by Jared Kushner rising off of an unfinished spur of highways somewhere in the vacant portions of the American West funded by hard-sell fundraising appeals to vulnerable seniors. Hello, this is Donald Trump. Have you ever imagined a place where there's lots of babies being born and you can fly up and down vertically and horizontally? It's going to be great. It's going to be huge. Yeah, I know it needs work. Needs a lot of work. It's a nightmare of a show. The thing is, if you if you really master a Donald Trump impression, an odd thing starts to happen. You start to talk like him all the time. So maybe don't do that. Don't go too far into that weird abyss. Wrong. The Associated Press says there is higher. Speaking of flying things, there's higher cancer rates found in military pilots. And ground crews. It's a Pentagon study that found high rates of cancer among military pilots and for the first time has shown that ground crews who fuel, maintain, and launch those aircraft are also getting sick. The data has long been sought by retired military aviators who have raised alarms over the years about the number of air and ground crew members who knew uh, th that they they knew who had cancer They were told that earlier military studies had found They were not at greater risk Than the general U.S. population Yeesh What in, what in the world was that about? In its year-long study of almost 900,000 service members Practically a million Who flew on or worked on military aircraft 
Between 1992 and 2017, the Pentagon found that air crew members had an 87% higher rate of melanoma and a 39% higher rate of thyroid cancer. Ugh. Come on, military. While men at a 16%, men had a 16% higher rate of prostate cancer. Oh. That saddens me. I've known a couple people now who passed away from prostate cancer. And women had the exact same amount, 16% higher rate, but of breast cancer. Overall, the air crews had a 24% higher rate of cancer of all types. This in the the U.S. military, the study showed that ground crews had a 90% higher rate of brain and nervous system cancers. And a 15% higher rate of thyroid cancer 9% higher rate of kidney or renal cancers Women had a 7% higher rate of breast cancer This is what the ground crews The overall rate for cancers of all type Was uh, 30% I'm sorry, 3% So there was some good news reported as well Both ground crews and air crews Had far lower rates of lung cancer Interestingly And air crews also had lower rates of bladder and colon cancers. But all the other stuff, wow. The data compared the service members with the general U.S. population and adjusted for age, sex, and race. The Pentagon said the new study was one of the largest and most comprehensive to date. An earlier study had looked at just Air Force pilots and found some higher rates of cancer. While this one looked across all services and at both air and ground crews. Even with the wider approach, the Pentagon cautioned that the actual number of cancer cases was likely to be even higher because of gaps in the data, which it said it would try to remedy. And a retired Air Force Colonel, Vince Alcazar, member of the Red River Valley Fighter Pilots Association, who has lobbied the Pentagon and Congress for help and he serves on the association's medical issues committee said this study proves that it's well past time for leaders and policymakers to move from skepticism to belief and active assistance so what is causing this isolated potential causes is difficult The Pentagon was careful to note that this study does not imply that military service in air crew or ground crew occupations causes cancer because there are multiple potential confounding factors that could not be controlled for in this analysis, such as family history, smoking, alcohol use. But aviation crews have long asked for the Pentagon to look closely at some of the environmental factors they are exposed to. And that would be, you guessed it, jet fuels. Solvents used to clean and maintain jet parts. Sensors and their power sources in aircraft nose cones. And the massive radar systems on the decks of the ships that they land on. Could any of that be the cause? Hmm. Fascinating. Oh, this one anecdotal story. When Navy Captain Jim Seaman... Wow. He was born to be in the Navy with a name like Seaman. S-E-A-M-A-N. 
to be clear, would come home from a deployment. Whenever he came home from a deployment aboard an aircraft carrier, his gear would reek of jet fuel. His widow, Betty Seaman, said that the A-6 intruder pilot died in 2018 at the age of 61 of lung cancer. Betty still has his gear stored and it still smells of fuel. And she said that she loves it. Can imagine because it reminds her of him. How odd. And then, you know, that's what may have killed him. She and others wonder if there's a link. She said crews would talk about even the ship's water systems would smell of fuel. I did, when I visited the USS Hornet in Alameda, I mean, that aircraft carrier, it's an aircraft carrier, isn't it? Or is it just a, I think it's an aircraft carrier. It has long been out of commission, but you could still kind of smell that stuff. So, but this uh, ruling, this, these, um, the study has the potential to do a lot of good as far as early communication, early detection, says the widow, Betty Seaman. The study found that when crew members were diagnosed with cancer, they were more likely to survive than members of the general population, which the study suggested was because they were diagnosed earlier due to regular required medical checkups with the military, and they were more likely to be in better health because of their military fitness requirements. Interesting. So that story all comes from the Associated Press. Came out today. Boston's skinniest home. So in Podcaster Valley, there is a house that my lovely lady friend and I call the skinny house. It's way back in a little valley in Podcaster Valley, one of the smaller valleys. All kinds of valleys in Podcastro Valley. And we walk to this skinny house. It's a beautiful little walk. And it's tiny. But the Boston, Boston has a skinny, the skinniest home. It was built out of spite. And it was sold for $1.25 million. It's a 10-foot wide home. Wow. 10-foot wide It's in Boston. It is said to have been built out of spite. According to local legend, a soldier built the home in 1862 when he returned home from war to find his brother's house took up the rest of their shared land. The two-bedroom home is about 1,000 square feet. Hey, almost as big as my home. And has a private garden and rooftop deck. But it's super skinny. So maybe, maybe you would have to be, it would force you to stay in shape, wouldn't it? Because the bigger you got, the more awkward and, and un- annoying it would be and uncomfortable. So yeah, if you stay at a good weight, it's sort of like those pants that you love. It forces you to stay at a good weight so you could fit in those pants. I guess it's one way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> A 2005 Boston Globe article called it the city's skinniest. And according to a 2015 Boston Magazine article, the North End House is said to have been built out of spite. And 
uh, it was, let's see, built this, the soldier built the skinny home on the remaining property in 1862. So to block all sunlight between two sectors of his brother's massive home. I see. One of those things. And finally, Billy Joel remains one of the most popular concert acts. Good job, Billy. And he looks just so nice without all that hair. <laughs> he could lose a little weight. He maybe he should move into the skinny house. But he remains one of the most popular concert acts. He consistently plays sold out shows for his Madison Square Garden residency and tours worldwide. He makes plenty of money for his live performances, but he loses over $20,000 every show for refusing to sell one type of ticket. And he plays sold out stadiums across the nation and the globe. He performed in cities worldwide. Um, some of his tickets carry a hefty price tag, but it's not all about money for Joel. At every show, he never sells front row seat tickets. That's right. At every show, he never sells front row tickets. In fact, he leaves the first few rows unsold. But that doesn't mean those seats remain empty. About 25 years ago, I got tired of looking down at the crowd. He said on a Jimmy Kimmel appearance in 2017. He said the first row tickets always they're always scalper tickets. And I know he probably did it in his Long Island thing. Always scalper tickets. See, I can't do it. I can't do the, any of those New York type accents. Any of the boroughs. Impossible for me to do it. I need to go there, live there. Or maybe I just need to date someone who's from there. Oh wait, I already do that. But they're from the Bronx. And they've... They've assimilated to California and the Bay Area, and they've got now a California accent. So I'm just hearing that. But the first row tickets are always scalper tickets, said Billy. Always somebody who paid way too much to be a big shot. They sit in the front row. So he decided, screw this. The real fans are in the back. So since then, he has sent crew members to the seats in the back to find enthusiastic ticket holders. The crew upgrades them to free front row tickets and Billy enjoys seeing genuine fans' reactions while he performs. Dang. You know, and that is one guy I have always, and I mentioned that last show because I love his lyrics and I was saying how Taylor Swift has written some good lyrics of late. But yeah, I really, I would love to go to one of his concerts. I, we'll see. I would want to be one of those people in the back that get moved to the front. When the, this practice apparently loses him 20000 to $50,000 per show. Paul McCartney has charged $3,000 for front row tickets. Uh, he did that at a 2019 show. But yes, having real passionate fans close to him is priceless for Billy. He kicked off a series of performances with Stevie Nicks, a Fleetwood Mac. I know they did a tribute to Christine McBee, who recently passed away. And I would love to see that. You know, they never did a duet together. Stevie did all these duets in the 80s with Kenny Loggins, 
uh, whenever I call you friend, I'm a da 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 forever and ever. Now I remember. I can never remember such a beautiful sight. The lyrics. Hey, who else? Oh, Tom Petty. Stop dragging my heart around. And Don Henley. Take from me my lace. Here in the moonlight, it's in dancing. Yes. And she's an excellent collaborator. Fleetwood Mac was a collaboration with all these talented people in one band. So her and Billy never did a album, any songs together. Billy worked with Steve Winwood, Cindy Lauper, but never Stevie. So they performed in LA earlier this month. They have upcoming shows in Nashville, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and other US cities through the end of the year. And he's doing a solo show in London this summer. So keep going, Billy. Keep going, Stevie. Live and local. Uh, he says, I thought it would taper off after four or five years, but. They're buying tickets faster now than they were at the beginning. Outside a cafe anyway, somewhere in Podcastro Valley, the last place on earth, the last podcast was called Chicory. Because of all the trickery in the delicious dandy blend that's not coffee, but it's made from dandelions and chicory. And my lovely lady friend and I have been drinking that. Look who's here. Awesome. Hello, Michael Masters, Madame Rudebegond. I am not your lovely lady friend. Ooh. No, you're not my lovely lady friend, but we were talking about chicory, so I thought I would mention you, and you were right there in front of me outside a cafe anyway where it's sprinkling a little bit. Do you like the rain? Yes. Do you like the year mix? Yes. Oh, you changed your mind. Do you like to change your mind? No. Okay. Hey, it's okay to change your mind. Is it okay to be fickle? No. But, you know, you, you should be something of uh, someone that thinks through your things and occasionally you realize you've made a mistake and you correct yourself. It's called a correction. It's what our stock market is doing currently. Look who else is here. Hello, Dave Mike. This is Valentino. And this is Bison Bentley. Do you know that? Mike, we heard that you was going to play a little bit of the Santa Fe Cafe where we came from on Kehei years ago in the 90s and the early O's day. Yeah, the early O's. Do you know that? Yes, the Cheerios, the early Cheerios. You were on the show, you and I. And let's see if I can play a little something for y'all. Which one was it? Toby Keith. That would be the country quiz. The country quiz. I used to do that every day uh, on my show. And we give away stuff. My boss, the late, great Mark Hill James, gave me all these prizes to, prizes to give away. And uh, I was very thankful for him to give me the job to, to do the Santa Fe Cafe. He was like the first person... In the radio world that I worked with That said hey Mike you're creative Go nuts here you go have fun And then I'd go nuts And then he'd go wait a minute wait a minute minute. Remember this this and this and I'd be like Oh okay And then he'd say okay go nuts And then I'd be remembering this this And this and I wouldn't go nuts And he'd go why aren't you going nuts I go well cause I'm remembering this this and this that you told me And he goes yeah well just just, But you know Don't let it stop you (laughs) 
Uh, Actually, the answer was Bobby Braddock. That means you get the prize by default, Melissa. Bobby Braddock discovered Blake Shelton. And you can hear an interview that I did with Blake Shelton at MikeStaleyPodcast.com. Go over there. You see a little picture of Basil with headphones, the late great Basil the Boxer. Right next to that is the word home. Hover over home with your cursor or maybe touch it with your finger if you're looking on your phone and you'll see all these interviews. Look under interviews A through F because I did it, uh, Blake. I alphabetized with the first name, Blake. And you can hear a crazy interview that he did early, early on when he stopped by. And he was on the Santa Fe Cafe. All right. All right. Congratulations. Help me. I'm caught inside the K.A. Santa Fe Cafe with Matt Michaels. Like this person. Family tradition. It's out to who? John. Who's John? That was a Hank Williams Jr. song. And apparently it was going out to John. Lone Star. Very good song. That's... We enjoy that. Uh, we heard Hank Williams Jr. and Family Tradition. I got one too. Emerson Drive is on the way next. The KH Cafe question: Have you eaten someone's burnt dinner just so they wouldn't cry? A line in that song by Kenny Chesney. The good stuff pertaining to that, and also, of course, you may remember in Shania Twain's "Any Man of Mine." She says, uh, "If I burn my dinner black, he better like it like that." Mm. Ah. It was burnt black. It was solid charcoal, Matthew. It tasted like And I didn't like it so. Wow. So I I got up and I left. And right then, she took a lasso and she threw me on the ground. Okey-doke. What's the rest of the story? (laughs) Well, I have to buy the book. Hey, this is John for Thousand. Ah, and that's the rest of the story. Wow, thank you. All right, I'm going to play one more thing. Oh, this is the segment, by the way. Let's go back with Matthews because we went back to the early O's. Uh, All right, shifting gears ever so quickly. The guy that you heard, help, I'm inside the KH Santa Fe Cafe, like this person. His name was Norm. And Norm introduced me to someone named Tim Berry. Tim Berry was a cook. And he was a private cook. And this is all pre-Food Network, pre-Alton Brown. I mean, I guess Elton Brown and Anthony Bourdain were around and cooking and cooking shows and all that. But it wasn't quite the big thing it is now, the Guy Fieri, the, the Iron Chef chopped world that we lived in, that we live in now. It was a different world that we lived in then. Tim Berry w- would come on the Santa Fe Cafe to cook. He would show up and he would cook something or have a recipe. And it was very bizarre. It is something that works in radio. There's a show called The Splendid Table that I've listened to and downloaded the podcast and found interesting. I don't like the new host. The old host was awesome. The lady, I forget her name. But, you know, sometimes radio recipes, if it's done... You got to do it kind of in short little spurts. Can't be too, go too convoluted. First, you need a cup of cumin, then a cup of diced bell peppers. And, you know, the list people can't, 
people, radio and lists and lisps, they don't really work. Baloney. I mean, we have this thing that we can use now. It's called a de-esser. <laughs> Maybe we could get a little bit of the, but what's all this fuss about lisps? All this fuss about a couple extra S's as uh, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall once said. All right, so here's a little bit of Tim Berry, and I have a very interesting thing to tell you about Tim Berry after I play it. So listen to this. At the Hyatt Westlake Plaza Hotel. What's up, KJ1? Garth Brooks, two pina coladas. Yum. Yum pina coladas. Okay. Well, we are here on Food State Tuesday with local chef Tim Berry. Hello, local chef. Hi, Tim everybody. Berry. How are y'all? Awesome. Tuesday, Food State Tuesday. I meant Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson. Sorry, Scott. Because, you know, he listens to the podcast regularly, as all Canadians love this show. It's Matt Michaels with Chef Tim Berry. Now, what we're going to do is he is here to answer your food questions. So what you need to do is call him here, because he's here right with me here. At 650-KHAY, call him here. Call me up. And the, uh, let's see, the the 10th food question we get tonight, they're going to win a $20 gift certificate to Laser Star. Oh, how cool. Ooh, Laser so Star. like fun. They can do a $20 gift certificate. They can do a lot there. They can zap each other or whatever. Shoot them with lasers. Have a, have a lot of fun. So you had a busy day today. Yes, You're working yes. in the show business world there? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was working on a, a Nickelodeon dating show. <laughs> kind of fun. High school dating. What will they think of next on that channel? Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, MTV owns Nickelodeon now. That's right. It's yeah. Like- and so they're doing a thing. Nickelodeon is at night is going to be for the the mid-teens, 15, 16-year-old type of thing. And, Nickel- and MTV is going to do some shows through Nickelodeon. Uh, for that age group and run them on Nickelodeon and and I don't know if it's been done yet but it's the, it's going to be called the Noggin Network which is going to be Nick at Night. Right. I think that's already out there. Okay. So this is the show we're doing. It'll premiere in December and it's called Best Friends Blind Date where the person's best friend picks from four guys or four girls and selects the date for the best friend. So okay. the person that's actually going on the date doesn't get to meet their person until the actual date. Her best friend is picking the date for. I see. And, and they're doing it at a lot of local high schools. Yeah, we, we, we've shot at uh, Westlake High School, Santa Monica High School. Today we're at Venice High School. So, ah. Yeah. Is it weird to be back in school? Yes, it's very weird to be back on the high school campus, I'll tell you. Sort of the, st- the same stuff still going on, right? Yep. Everyone, little clicks and uh-huh. everything. Crazy. Yep. But now you know more recipes than you did when you were in high school. I know a heck of a lot more recipes than I knew in high school. In high school, the only recipe I knew was the recipe how to get in trouble. What's that one? <laughs> how many how many bags of sugar do you need for that one? But right now it's new artist Julie Roberts. Break down here. And we're gonna get to a recipe in just a moment here on Food Stay Tuesday. 650 KHAY with your food questions on K-Hate. Wow, see? He was awesome. And we would do that and people would call up and he'd have recipes. And I remember one time he brought in a George Foreman grill and he cooked me a steak in the studio. 
of the radio station. It was awesome. Awesome. And Julie Roberts never made it big because I guess she sounded too much like another Roberts, a Julia Roberts. So, real quick, the sad tale of Tim Barry. I had uh, the utmost joy and exaltation and happiness on Tuesday nights for several months he would come in and it was actually it wasn't that long I guess it was less than less than a year that we worked together and he would come in for free I think we gave him a little bit of publicity he would mention his private cooking service that he would do he'd come to your house and teach you how to cook healthy which is now what all those services do but somebody doesn't show up to your house, they just send you healthy things and then they give you an app or something and you read the recipe and it tells you how to cook. So Tim Barry would actually do that for you in person, the human touch, and he would do all this stuff with Nickelodeon and show business in Hollywood because we were about uh, an hour north of Hollywood, so he would commute down to do that. Now, he had a young son and he was living in Ventura and he and his son were at the beach and the waves got incredibly dangerous. And I guess a sneaker wave from, if I remember the story correctly, got his son and pulled him out into the waters. Uh, the surf just turbulent, the ocean's turbulent along the coast of Ventura. And Tim went out, jumped into the water to swim after his son. His son eventually got out of the water, but Tim never got out of the water alive. He died, he drowned in the surf. And because of Tim, there was a alarm system put in. And I don't know if Ventura still has this, but around 2006, this happened. So they, and I, the interview you just heard was around 2000. 2004 so just a few years before this but they created an alarm system when the waves were getting unpredictable on the beaches this alarm goes off and it would tell people hey watch out be careful keep your eyes never turn your back to the ocean have you heard that before that is something to remember when the waves are out of control and crazy so another thing is if you ever get pulled out into the ocean don't fight the waves you, at some point, you'll be able to swim back in. But the panic mode sets in with a lot of people and it kills them. And I don't know whatever else. Maybe they, if they can't swim, of course, or if they maybe they get pulled underwater for too long. With dogs, a lot of dogs get pulled out into the surf that go swimming at the beaches. Uh, they say, don't try and rescue your dog. Your dog will eventually get out of the water and be fine. He'll need to drink some fresh water to flush out the kidneys because of all the salt water he's drank. But yeah, you, he'll be fine. But humans, not so much. We get out there and it could be a little more dangerous. But so there you go. The, the story of Tim Barry. It was so great to have him on the show. And he, I found that tape recently. I hadn't thought about him in a long time. I occasionally would tell that story to people. Uh, just remembering about stuff I've done on the radio and that, that was the Foods Day Tuesday thing, Tuesday Foods Day, and just remembering Tim and remembering just 
stuff that we should all remember when we're at the beach being safe and then something because of all this tragedy that came of it that hopefully will be positive and save people's lives in the future and I wanted to share that with you with the Mike Matthews going let's go back with Matthews segment because yesterday we did the Mike Matthews new tunes feud you can go back and listen to that one and vote on a song why don't you at the number 510-228-4640 and as I end the show just remember when you're watching one of those awful reboots I don't know if they're all awful but they it just shows a lack of creativity overall because they got to redo something that's already existed but when you watch one of those shows like Magnum P.I. Quantum Leap Prince of Bel-Air which is just Bel-Air Bel-Air now and any of the other ones just remember uh, that we're running out of creativity in this world so cherish creativity wherever you find it even in a show like this that's got a little bit of it and with more ways to reach me to thank me for my creativity because you're welcome it's A-Frame Mike's Daily Podcast is written and produced and performed by Mike Matthews his podcast is super easy to find download or listen to his show and read his blog at mikesdailypodcast.com email Mike now at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com see you tomorrow bye